and thank you for tuning in to Faith Worship Center's weekly sermon. We hope you are inspired and encouraged by this week's message as we all live to bring more of heaven to earth. I want to congratulate all of you. You came out with the threat of snow, taking the risk, taking the chance to be here. And guess what? It's not snowing. Isn't that awesome? So congratulations. That was one thing. The other thing I'd like to congratulate you on is surviving almost a year through COVID. That's pretty amazing when you think about it. We've... uh, survive but it's getting it's getting long isn't it getting long but you know what keep your head up keep your head up the lord is good have your eyes fixed on things above not on things of this earth the things of this earth are perishing they pass away but the things of god are eternal men men yeah super bowl sunday and we're not in it the patriots i mean but It's okay, because Brady and Gronk are. We'll have some fun anyway. Uh, We've been in a series of uh, prayer, and and, uh, last week was part four, and that makes this week part five. During the week, I asked Bob, I said, should I I do a part five on prayer? And he said, go for it. He said, they're getting better and better every week. So I had already started putting together a part five. Part five anyway, but it was a good confirmation. And so uh, I want to talk about um, the ladder of prayer. And I, I feel ladder. You can see I'm reading the ladder of prayer because I titled this ladder of prayer. But you could take it like the ladder, like the ladder days type. I'm not talking about it. I'm talking the ladder that you climb. I don't know why I said that. But anyway, okay. Uh, Genesis 28. Let's get right into this because it is not snowing yet, but it might start in the midst of this, and I don't want to keep you long if it does. Genesis 28, verse 12. It's about Jacob. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set on the earth, and its top reached to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. I feel like there's um, there's something that is unpacking has been unpacking in me for the last uh, several months. Actually, it started in both my wife and I back in September, where we just begin to feel an urge to pray that we just really just needed to get into. We need to get to get kind of like back into some of the roots of prayer that we have, uh, you know, not that we left behind those roots, but that we really had some times of prayer earlier on in our um, walk of faith. And for me, that's been about 43 years. And uh, throughout that time, I've, I, I will say that I've, I've always prayed. I haven't stopped praying. I don't believe that I've ever put prayer aside like it's unimportant. But there has been a momentum that has built up in my faith and in my walk with the Lord where the expectancy of God just to be God and do what God does allows me not to, how can I say this? But I feel like I'm already in a ditch and I'm, I'm going to dig myself deeper, but I'm going to have to do this because I feel like there's a lot of believers that have been in the faith for quite a while that might have the same experience. 
you just feel kind of confident in, in your walk. Okay, so it's like you've got, you've got the faith thing down. You've got the um, walking in faith down. You're not depending so much on your feelings anymore. And you're not regulated to stand in front of the closet every day and say, Lord, what clothes should I wear today? And uh, <laughs> so you're, it's not that you're cruising through your Christian faith. It's just that a lot of the activity that you're doing, you've been doing for so long, you've pretty much got the activity down. But there's one activity that I think that we should never put aside. Now, there's one activity that I believe that we always have the ability to grow in and learn in, and that's the activity of prayer. So bear with me just for a minute while I do my settings here. I forgot to do that. I usually do that. Bob caught me off guard with the... I'm going to blame Bob. Pass it off on Bob. He caught me with no announcements. Caught me off guard, so... You see, I do. <laughs> I'm sorry. A picture just popped up on my screen that really surprised me. Okay. It was a picture of me. Don't worry. <laughs> so prayer is very important. And I feel like uh, this story where it starts off where he has a dream. Okay. Jacob has a dream. And that reveals to me that Jacob's, uh, Jacob's walk with the Lord, his faith with the Lord was intact. And in this dream, he sees this ladder of angels ascending and descending. And that tells me that his heart was already attuned to heaven. There there was an adjustment in his heart to be attuned to heaven. And I feel like our dream life, I'm speaking for myself, maybe, maybe not so much for you, but my dream life. I feel like a lot of the things that I experience with the Lord during the day can be played out at night as well. And so there are times that I'll have, I'll have a heavenly dream. I don't know. How many of you have ever had heavenly dreams? And you know they're heaven because it's like you wake up and you not only do you remember them, but during the dream, everything is so vivid and clear. It feels like it's really like you're alive in the dream. Not like you're just seeing something from a distance. But you're in the dream, and you're alive in the dream, and it's vivid, and there's colors, and there's activity in the dream, and there's, uh, there's things that you can see and things that you can hear within the dream that you just know you've gone someplace, right? And I believe that's happening here to Jacob, and I believe that his prayer life consisted of, of the expectancy that these kind of things would happen to him. So he's, it, at this period of time in his life, he's fleeing from his family. He's running away from Esau because Esau has threatened to kill him. And he's running away from Esau. You read the story. It's, it's, it's in Genesis. This is Genesis 28. Read the story on your own. Most of you know it. But as he's running away, he's, he's tired. He's exhausted. He's got no place to lay his head. He's, left, he's just left an affluent family, used to, used to having uh, lodging and a bed and all that stuff. And now he's out in the middle of nowhere, not knowing anybody, not knowing if an animal's going to burst out into the, the field and devour him. He doesn't have any of that information. He's just tired. He lays down his head on a rock. And as he's laying on the rock, he has this dream. And here come the angels up and down, up and down on this ladder. And I feel like when, when you're in a situation like this, like Jacob, he was in a crisis situation. He's in a crisis moment. Everything's new. He doesn't understand what's going on. He's He's fleeing for his life. He's in this moment of a crisis. It has a tendency to push you to your knees and to find a place of prayer. 
And I think possibly that this COVID crisis that we've been in has been doing that to us. It's been, okay, so it's not normal. As I said earlier, as, as believers, we can get used to doing things normally and walking out our faith normally. But when something like this happens, your faith gets challenged. Things get challenged. Statement that you've made gets challenged. And, and all around us, people are, are getting sick and people are dying and we're hearing about it every day. And there's a challenge in this time to be able to say, what is going on? And that's where prayer comes in. And I want to encourage you guys to pray. And that's what we've been doing in this series. So you can catch all these on the podcast to you know watch, watch them live or watch them on our, listen to them on our podcast, watch them on YouTube and our channel, whatever. But you can uh, get the heart of what I believe the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church, will you connect with me in this time? And I believe the church is hearing this message louder than it ever has. And I believe there are believers that are responding appropriately, and they are just getting themselves into a place with God alone to where they're just connecting to His heart and connecting to who He is. So Jacob, he, he has this dream, and he wakes up, and this is a very interesting passage of Scripture. I'm just going to go ahead and read it. Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put on his head and he set it up as a pillar and he poured oil on top of it and he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city had been Luz previously. So he actually changed the name of a city because he got a vision from heaven. That's pretty cool, isn't it? He calls it Bethel. And then Jacob made a vow and he said, if God be with me and keep me in this way that I'm going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace. Then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set up as a pillar, shall be God's house. And all that you give me, I will surely give a tent to you. Now, that's a very interesting passage. And it's going way, way back in time. And it's going back before Moses gave the law. And it's going back before there's a temple, before there's a tabernacle. It's going back before there was any designated place to, to worship. And Jacob sets up this stone, he sets up this pillar, and he calls it God's house. I find that very interesting. I don't know about you guys, but that's just a very interesting thing. And then he says this, he says, if you bring me back to this place, if you bring me back to this place, I will give you a tenth of all that I possess. I find that interesting. It's like, I don't believe Jacob is alone when he's making this vow. I don't believe he's got the image of God being far, far away. And this is just a hope prayer that he's throwing out. I believe that he, God, is actually right there, and Jacob right there is making a vow with God. And you say, that sounds really weird. Well, there's Christophanes that are in the scripture, in the Old Testament, where uh, appearances of God actually show up. He actually shows up in a physical form. And it even happens a little bit later on. We're going to read this just, in fact, I'll just go to it right now, but it ties right into the story. And it, it goes to what we're going to be coming into with this message. Because Jacob is having an experience here in Bethel. And strange as it might be to us to pour oil on a rock and designate it as God's house. It's an experience that he's having. And strange as it sounds to say that he's going to bring a tenth back to that rock, 
a tenth back to that house, a tenth of his income. As strange as that all might sound, he is having this encounter with God, whether God is physically there in front of him, whether there's an epiphany that he's seen, whether it's uh, an angel of the Lord that he's seen or a Christophany, whatever is happening here, we don't know. But he goes into this conversation like he's actually talking face to face with a person. And he's saying, I'll give you a tenth of all I have. Bring me back to this, this place. Bring me back to my home. In Genesis chapter 32, he has a very similar experience. And this is when he's now fleeing from Laban and he's on his way back home. And he's going back to his place. And as he's going back to his place, he gets left all alone. And in verse 24, it says, Then Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip hip and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint and he wrestled with him and he said let me go for the day breaks but he said I will not let you go unless you bless me and so he said to him what is your name and he said Jacob and he said your name shall no longer be called Jacob but Israel for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed and then Jacob asked saying tell me your name I pray and he said why is it that you ask about my name And he blessed him there. He blessed him there. Now we know from the rest of the story that when the angel of the Lord touched his hip, when God touched his hip, his hip went out of socket. I seriously don't get that. I don't understand that at all. I don't even begin to know why that's even in the story. But it is. The point that I'm saying is that he's wrestling there with God. In fact, the one that he's wrestling with says, you've struggled with God and with men. So he's having a wrestling match with God. And that's what we need to see about prayer. Prayer can be like a wrestling match. You can feel like at times you're in a wrestling match. And you can feel like at times in prayer that your prayers might not be winning. That you might be losing. Are you guys listening to me? Are you here? Because this is how prayer is. And I believe it's why a lot of Christians kind of like throw it off to the side when it should be the primary thing in our faith. Years ago... I was having a struggle as a young Christian, and I went to my pastors before I, before I was married, um, so Lynn's free of this one. I went, to, I went to my pastor, and I told him I was really struggling. I, f- I feel like I'm just struggling. I'm struggling in prayer. I feel like I'm just praying by myself, that like I'm just talking to myself, and like I, 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 don't, I don't really sense anything happening. I don't sense... God, I feel like when I read the Bible, I'm not getting very much. And I'm just telling him all this stuff. And I'm just going down this line of I'm struggling spiritually. I'm having, I'm having issues here. I'm, I'm really trying to work through my life here as a young man. And I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with some things. And he, he asked me this. He said, well, what is your prayer life like? And I'm like, well, I just told you. What, it's not good. And so I repeated it. I said, it's not, that, it's not that great. And he goes, you know what you need to do? You need to spend more time in prayer. 
And I walked out of that office and I felt like, easy for you to say, but I'm really struggling with this thing called prayer. Yet the wisdom that he gave me in that imparted something to me to know that even though we might be struggling, we need to struggle on and struggle through with prayer. Because prayer is a very important benefit to us. And prayer is a place where we find agreements with God. Jacob is making an agreement with God when he's in Bethel and he sees the angels ascending and descending. He's making an agreement. There's an agreement. There's a contract going on, a covenant going on between him and God. And he's making this agreement with God. And it's in a place of prayer. It's in a place of communication. It's in a place of contact with God. They're having this one-on-one. And Jacob's saying, bring me back here. I'll give you a tenth of all I have. And you'll be my God. I'll serve you forever. He comes back. He wrestles with God. Bless me. Bless me, as in this wrestling match. Just bless me. He's making an agreement with God. He's, he's not content just to wrestle with God. He's having a communication. He's struggling in this place with God. And he's wrestling with God. And he's making an agreement. So whether it's Jacob wrestling with God, or whether it's Moses on a mountaintop, who goes up on a mountaintop, and he's, he's got the responsibility of leading the people into the promised land, And it's a big responsibility. These are like uh, close to 1.2 to 2 million people that that he's leading. And they're in the desert. And they're not happy. They're complaining. They complain about their food. They complain about everything. They complain about Moses. They think he's a lousy leader all of a sudden. That he's not worthwhile. Let's kill him and appoint a new leader for ourselves. And they're doing all this stuff out there in the desert. And what's Moses do? He goes up on a mountaintop to pray. And this is what he prays. He prays a prayer of agreement. He says, God, unless you go with me, I won't go. If your presence does not come with me, if you do not move me into a place where you're with me and I know that you're with me, I'm not going. You can lead him yourself into the promised land. I won't do this. I think it's an amazing prayer. It's a very powerful prayer of faith. And he's making this agreement with God on that mountaintop. Jacob is making an agreement with God in Bethel. And he's making an agreement with God as he wrestles. And this is really what prayer is. It, prayer is like this, uh, this ladder. It, it's a ladder to communicate. Where, where heaven comes to earth. It's, it's a ladder for us to make an agreement, to make agreements with God. I want to ask you today, when was the last time you checked the agreement you made with God? When was the last time you really checked your heart to look at your agreements with God? Maybe it was 43 years ago. Maybe it was two years ago. Maybe it was when you first came into the kingdom, when you first got saved, and you you were there, and you were so excited with the Lord, and so plugged into the Lord, and you were just like going forward with God, and you were... In that time, there was some kind of an agreement that you made with God. I guarantee you, even to accept his salvation is an agreement. I think it's really sad in this life that there is a mind that just takes whatever comes in life. And then there's a mind that finds agreement with heaven based on knowing that God is good. 
And that's what prayer gives us. It gives us the knowing that God is good. It gives us the ability to make agreements with a good God. Prayer is a link of discovering that we don't need to settle for whatever life throws at us. Recently on the phone with someone, I believe it was probably about a year ago, someone that attends here that I uh, highly look up to and respect. And we were having a phone conversation and he, um, he was just saying, you know, he goes, I, I just don't know what's wrong. I, I, I know I'm, I'm going forward. Everything is, everything is, you know, there in place. It needs to be in place. He goes, but man, it's really, it's really tough right now financially. I got to see a breakthrough financially. I got to have a breakthrough financially. So I was just now, just before I called you, I was just in my car and I was just telling God, remember the agreement that I made with you. And that is a key statement of a person who's locked into faith and understands agreement. Remember the agreement that I made with you and the promise that I made to you that if I give you a tenth, if I even double my tenth and give you a double tithe that you would bless, well, I need you to come through with that agreement right now. This is what he told God. And guess what happened? Three days later, boom, heaven opened up. Everything reversed and turned. Listen, when God makes an agreement with us, and we find that that agreement isn't going right, we have every right to challenge that agreement. Are you guys okay? Boy, it's so quiet in here. It's like quiet. Ah, you're all listening. I think prayer is a link to discovering that we don't need to settle for whatever gets thrown our way. That we get to face every challenge with a heart connected to heaven. With a heart connected to the goodness of God. Maybe you've heard his voice calling you into a deeper place of prayer. I can clearly hear his spirit say, come, grow with me. We talked last week. Come up here. Come open the door. Uh, come to me for rest. This is what it says in Matthew. Come to me all you who, are, who labor and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly of heart. And you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We hear in Isaiah 118, God is saying to the people of Israel, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Prayer is coming into agreement with the goodness of God. It's coming into. You understand? Prayer is our coming. Where we hear, come open the door. Where we hear, come up here. Where we hear, come, let us reason together. Where even Peter heard Jesus say, come out of the boat and walk on the water with me. Okay, those places, we get to activate the coming through our prayer. And it's the agreements that we make within that coming that are very sacred to God. And He holds them very dear. And he doesn't 
He doesn't get bothered by us reminding him about his agreement. Mark chapter 10 talks about a parable. Jesus is talking a parable. He's teaching a parable for the kingdom of heaven. It's in Mark 10, 20. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landover who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for a vineyard. Now when he had agreed with the laborers for denarius a day, he sent them into the vineyard. And when he went about on the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, you also go to the vineyard and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. And again, he went out about the sixth and ninth hour and he did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle. And he said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day? And they said to him, because no one hired us. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, you will receive. So when the evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning from the last to the first. And when those came who were hired about the eleventh hour, they each received a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive even more. And they likewise received each a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me? I want you to hear this. The Spirit of the Lord is so much in this text. Did you not agree with me? For a Daenerys, take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give this last man the same as you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? Most of us have heard this message preached throughout the years, this text shared throughout the years. And most of the uh, conclusion is the last will be first and the first will be last, for many are called and few are chosen. And that's mostly what the text of the message would be on, and mostly what uh, the preacher would say. that You know, the last shall be first. Many are called, few are chosen. But I want to emphasize something in this text that really jumped out to me, and that was the place of agreement. And it's a crazy story. I admit, it's crazy. That the person who only worked for an hour got the same pay as those who had worked all day in the heat of the sun. And I know you could easily say, that really isn't fair. That just doesn't sound fair to me. That did, I mean, how would I feel if that was the case, you know? I do all the hard work. All of a sudden, someone comes along. They don't work nowhere near as much, and they get the same as I get. But I think it's important to understand this parable, and I believe it's what Jesus is really driving at, is that each group that received a pay Each group that received the wages had an agreement with the landowner. And the first group was the only one that agreed to an amount, a specific amount. They agreed to a specific amount, the first group. The rest of the groups, the landowner just said, I'll give you what's right. I'll give you what's fair. 
And they agreed to that. I don't know about you, but how would you like to go looking for a job and the boss tells you, I'll give you what's fair. (laughs) Now, you would want to know something about that boss, wouldn't you? I mean, you're going in there and what are you looking for? You're looking for like, what do you mean? What is fair to you or what is fair to me, right? And I believe that the workers, the laborers knew that this landowner was good and that he was fair, which is why they agreed to his terms. And I hear the spirit of the Lord saying, come, let us reason together. And I'll be honest with you. I think we would complain a lot less about things in this life if we took the time to go to prayer and form agreements with God. Even if we took the time to recall the agreements that we have made with God, I believe we'd complain less. And this is the question that I want to ask. And I'm wrapping it up with this question. I'm not done with this message. I'll be bringing the rest of this. I think I've said that before, but I might have a few more things to share, but What agreements have you made with God? What agreements over time have you made with the Lord? What is the agreement? I started, as I was preparing this message, I started examining some of the agreements I've made in my life. And I thought of two specific agreements when I was a young boy, probably seven, anywhere from seven to nine. I can't remember the exact age I was. But I was in my living room. We lived in the house uh, in Bonneview, right in California. And I turned on our television, and Catherine Coleman was on the TV. I had never seen... Catherine Coleman ever before but as I saw her on the TV and I saw her with her white gown and she would just be floating flowing across the stage something good is going to happen to you and then she would she would give words of knowledge of people that had things wrong in their body and then she would call out healing she would call out healing for God to come and they would get healed and She'd have people come up. And I'm watching all this as just a young boy. People come up and she'd take, she'd very gently just take their face like this. And they'd go flat out in the spirit. And the power of God was showing up. And I remember as a young boy seeing this, saying, 
God, I want that. It was an agreement that I was making. And it wasn't until this week when I started examining some of the agreements in my life that I've made with God that it was recalled to me. The second one didn't, it was in around the same time period. Young boy at that age, anywhere from, you know, seven, maybe to 10, maybe 11, maybe even 12, or maybe 13. I don't know. Long time ago, but I remember uh, Pastor Johnson, Earl Johnson was up. It was a Sunday night. He had just taken his trombone and played a song, and then he gave an altar call. And after, after the altar call, people were coming up to the altar, and I was one of them. And I stood up there in the altar call, and I felt the presence of the Lord come on me at that altar. And I just, I felt his presence on me. And Earl is standing there, and he's sharing something. I can't even remember what he was sharing. But I remember saying in my heart to God on that spot at that altar call, just saying, God, I want this. I didn't understand at the time what I was really wanting other than I felt God's presence. I felt him in each instance. I knew he was there and I knew he was, if he could give them what they had, he could give me the same. And it was an agreement that we came into. I'm asking you today, what are some of the agreements that you've made with God? Don't explore these today. Explore these this week. When you're in your closet alone with the Lord, when when you're alone with God, explore your agreements that you've made with Him. Because God is, as Mario Solanas says, God is a good businessman. He understands a good transaction when He sees one. He understands a good agreement. He understands what agreement means. I think he understands it even better than we do. I mean, how many times, and this is the the, the sad thing, but how many times have we heard people say, what kind of a God would allow something like that? What kind of a God would do something like that? And they're saying it in a negative way. They're, They're planting God in a negative perspective. Each question that calls God's goodness and justice and mercy into the court of human judgment. I think more than anything else what the parable reveals is that God is good and that we people mistake His actions. Because He's entirely good, okay? Zero evil. Zero evil. He really does good based on the standard and the measure of pure goodness. And that's something that not a single person on this planet truly understands is pure goodness. And these laborers definitely didn't understand it because they called his actions, they called the landowner's actions into question. This isn't being fair to us. These people that worked only an hour get the same thing as we do. This isn't being fair. And the land order reminds it, reminds them, this 
is what you agreed to, and I have every right to do with what is mine. I have every right to do that because it belongs to me. If my people will humble themselves and pray. And prayer is that place of connection. It's that place of humbling. It's that place of acknowledgement that we need. We need the Father daily in our lives. I'm going to close with this last scripture. I'm just going to touch this one. Peter had no idea what was coming down the pike. He had no idea what light ahead for him. Even though Jesus had told them that he was going to be betrayed and handed over into the hands of men, the disciples didn't know. They, had no, they didn't have a clue what was coming down the pike. In Luke 22, it says, The Lord told Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. I believe this is what prayer can do for us. We can learn to listen to the Lord in every season of life. And then when we find ourselves in a certain season, what we've prayed for previously comes to light in that season. And it, it shows as an agreement and it shows as a statement and it shows us where we can go. Let's all stand. Father, continue to show us, continue to show us your way. Continue to teach us to pray. Continue to work in our hearts. for the very things that we need in this day and in this hour. Let us continually see your goodness and your mercy that endures for every generation. For you are good and your love truly endures forever. Bless this house, Lord. Give them safe travel home. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. If you'd like more information about our church, visit faithworship.org.